0: Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much for having me, for scheduling this conversation. Why don't you start
1: off with telling about yourself in a nutshell? Like, what exactly has as your journey in life till now? Yeah.
0: So, um, I'm a lawyer based in Lahore, um, and I am currently working at Security. It's a US-based company uh, as a data privacy legal analyst. So... Um, before um, um, uh, coming to security, I, I if I start from from the beginning, I did my law from um, the Lahore University of Management Sciences (LUMS), mm-hmm. and um, after by the time I graduated from LUMS uh, with a law degree, I got this uh, very exciting opportunity in Germany. I got a scholarship with a German-based international NGO in its business and human rights program. Uh, it was a four month full scholarship internship and I had to work on uh, Pakistani related cases uh, there. Okay. Um, so like if, if just briefly, um, th- there was this uh, factory fire in one of the garment factories in Karachi in Pakistan in 2012 that led to death of around 260 workers and many were injured. So this German company, the European Center for Constitutional Human Rights, it's, it's a very renowned organization in Europe mm-hmm. and even internationally um, mm-hmm. in terms of doing human rights related litigations. Mm-hmm. So the ECCHR was assisting the victims of the factory fire uh, in this particular case against uh, the German retailer of the factory and the Italian social auditor of the factory. So, The retailer was uh, based in Germany and the social auditor that issued safety certificates was based in Italy. And the claim was that basically these two transnational corporations are responsible for the inadequate occupational safety standards at the workplace that led to fire. And And this is just one of the many stories we hear around when, you know, a, a transnational corporation somewhere in the global north, based right. somewhere in Europe or US. And then they have a factory in Global South, in Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, or Nepal. And then lots of human rights violations takes place uh, right. here in their factories. Um, so I was assisting the ECSHR in, in, in their uh, fight against the victims of the factory fire. And it was a very thrilling experience. It was a very learning experience. Right um it in, in fact it was my um that was my first experience working abroad and also uh, i was in germany so first ever experience living abroad <laughs> um okay. yeah and then i worked at a law firm in pakistan um, um and uh, in the meantime i was applying for my master's mm-hmm. so i got admission to the university of michigan law school um so basically in my life i would say that one event led to another. Like I I still think that my um, prior experiences in Germany and my experience in law firm in Lahore uh, Mm -hmm. contributed and helped me getting admission to the law school in the US. And then later my LLM helped me um, landing to security to my current position as a data privacy legal analyst. And now um, I'm working remotely, I'm working from the comforts of my home uh, with security. And uh, I think I'm learning something new every single day. And I'm really enjoying my work with security.
1: So um, what exactly is the current role in the organization? Um, what exactly is the day job like what do you do? Mm-hmm. and the, uh, the tool that you that you're using right now, that you are working on?
0: Uh, At security, so um, basically as part of the data privacy legal analyst team, uh, our job is to assist the product team in making products uh, and softwares compliant with law. So uh, what security does is that we provide many um, software solutions to companies all around the world Mm -hmm. that help them comply with data privacy laws. Mm -hmm. So as data privacy, legal analyst, um, it's our responsibility to remain in touch of what's happening in the legal world and um, um, what are the new developments in law. We have to know all details of the law so that then we are in a position to assist our company uh, in making our products in compliance with laws. Um, And um, and like... um, so basically, we're working in close coordination with the product team, uh, and uh, we're working in close coordination with the uh, the tech team and the design team. We uh, we have a cross functional kind of process. So, mm-hmm. okay.
1: so, so if we have a new country say it's releasing a new privacy law, you would jump on it. You will understand the legal aspect from it, and then uh, you will. Uh, uh, send directions mm-hmm. to the product product change okay hey, this is a new requirement of this country and so you need to make this x, y, z changes does that not is that
0: hmm. correct okay okay um so it it also depends um on our clientele like mm-hmm. we uh we have clients all over the world mm-hmm. and uh, uh, sometimes of course like um we're focusing on a particular jurisdiction like if we are getting some customers from there so we start focusing on that particular jurisdiction so uh If a new legal development comes up, we first of all, go through the legal development. And if there is a need to come up with a blog or a write-up or a research content on on just explaining what the legal development is, then we produce something and then uh, we put it up on our website. And um, and if we see that, uh, if we ask the question whether um, our products are already following this uh, legal development, or if if we need to bring some new changes. And then we suggest product enhancements uh, if there is uh, some new changes. Like um, for example, our uh, cookie consent uh, products and consent management platforms, they're they're fairly, even now they're very much in compliance with major global privacy laws. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when, um, if, if if some DPA from any member state of the Europe um, mm-hmm. comes up with their cookie guidelines, then mm-hmm. it's our job to look into those guidelines and see how what we can do to make the product more compliant. So
1: that's um, that's quite, quite difficult, right? Because things would be keep uh, could definitely would keep changing uh, with each year uh, or each uh, update from DPA, you know, all 190 90 plus countries that we have, uh, things will keep changing. And so you need to keep changing your a the algorithm and
0: product, right? Keep reading it. Yeah, uh, you're right. It's it's a it's a challenge for us. But right now, we the legal analyst team at security, we are three three people right now, mm-hmm. and it's a challenge for us to keep pace with all the legal developments. Like, um, mm-hmm. but we have divided jurisdictions among ourselves, and we have divided even products among ourselves. There, mm-hmm. There's a complete process in the company that we follow um but as you mentioned data privacy is such a um it's a field where every single day a new legal development is coming up and we right. start with every new news every day so right. it's it's definitely a challenge um so we we just have to uh, remain very updated updated
1: right right right. yeah okay um Mario, welcome. One question that I have—it's okay, kind of uh, bugging me for long now. Uh, truth is paramount. The truth is paramount in any given case. So, how do you balance privacy, the right to privacy, the right for uh, freedom of expression, the right to express ourselves, and the responsibility of the truth? As a lawyer, how do you? Would you how would you balance it? Yeah. So today. Um, uh, thanks to social media and so that we do have uh we can have uh, uh, anonymity i don't have to nobody has to know my real person the real person behind it and mm-hmm. i can explore different ideas right I can comment on something which is uh, i should not become anything or maybe i'm not knowledgeable about it but i can express anything that i want to do um, so, there is a, there's a group which would say that freedom of expression is paramount, irrespective of what if, even if the of I say that uh, things are just not true, freedom of expression is higher. And there is a pe- group of people with whose rate times seem to be higher. Uh, how do you reconcile that?
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very interesting question, um, and it's very relevant in today's time. Uh, In my opinion, I think um, truth and privacy are interlinked, like data privacy can actually help fight against uh, fake news and disinformation Mm -hmm. because, uh, see, there are social media algorithms, basically those algorithms incentivize the spread of misinformation. And here comes data privacy laws into play that will regulate the, um, those algorithms and the targeting of social media users. Right. And um, like privacy laws will somehow limit on how uh, social media users can be targeted. Right. Um, for example, like, so what do data privacy laws require? They require um, websites and social media platforms to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to number mm-hmm. one, to ensure data minimization is right. you need to collect and share only that data, which is necessary. Keep it as minimum as possible. Just because you have the capability to collect data does not no. mean you can do it in all circumstances.
1: Absolutely. And
0: then um, next, it it um, they require you to ensure transparency. You have to tell individuals how you are collecting their data, what you are going to do with their data, and uh, with which third parties you will be sharing their data. Hmm and um, then there is a a principle of consent uh, which is required for certain kinds of data processing like Mm -hmm. for any kind of non-essential data collection and processing you have to obtain consent from individuals you need to ask them before profiling you need to ask them before tracking their location before uh bombarding them with advertisements uh, or Mm -hmm. um so these are the demands of data privacy and so when a company, a website or a social media platform intends to fulfill these demands, mm-hmm. um, when it attempts to ensure, I mean, data minimization, transparency, and when it obtains consent from individuals, ultimately, a lot of content gets filtered. And only that content uh, will be shown to individuals, which the individual is actually interested to see. So in this way, from a very legal centric way, privacy can help fight against disinformation right and yeah and i completely agree with you um it's a very delicate balance between um maintaining freedom of expression and avoiding disinformation because um it's a very delicate balance to achieve and um no human right, including the right to privacy is an absolute right. It it has to be balanced against other fundamental human rights. Right. And that needs to be done on a case by case basis. Right. So yeah, I mean, um, so for what, what can you do to achieve this balance? I, I think in my opinion, number one, you have to, we need to have strict data privacy laws. And number two, there needs to be regulation of uh, um, harmful or negative content and the mm-hmm. filtering of content needs to be done very carefully uh, now we see that government is just haphazardly removing content but it shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing so it, there should be a well-defined criteria of what constitutes fake news
1: mm-hmm. what
0: needs to be removed what needs mm-hmm. to be there online for the for the sake of freedom of expression so it's a, it's a delicate balance
1: because in in India, we the last few months we had kind of a storm of uh, been fight between um, the right wing government and the left wing uh, intellectuals uh, about uh, how to balance privacy and expression, as freedom well. uh, of an expression. Because um, mm-hmm. if we if you listen to the, the left wing side, they they that the paramount notion is. Um, even if it's a fake news or uh, even if it's a disinformation, rather, uh, mm-hmm. everybody has a right to express. So I can say mm-hmm. something that I feel like without any mm. basis. And the government have no business to edit, alter, or uh, suppress. That's one side of the world. The other side is you, you cannot remain anonymous and uh, say anything. Uh, you will be held accountable for whatever you say. So, hmm. so it became a big kind of a turmoil. Um, we even had the uh, the IT minister uh, was kind of sacked. We have of mm-hmm. had him replaced. So it became a big, big issue. Um, and, uh, and we have people on both the sides uh, arguing back and forth. And there's no hmm. uh, there's no end result or no consensus. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. It it's it's an issue because. Um, see even even in uh, uh, because when it, we think f- from a larger perspective of the political atmosphere mm-hmm. where the political governments will prevent the public to make criticisms right or the right wing parties will uh, stop the public from making any uh, comments against religion or yes. um, yeah. against the country right. uh, like right. even against the military right. and uh, then they they defend their arguments that okay you yes you have freedom of expression but you cannot say anything against religion you cannot right. say anything against government you cannot say anything against army right. um, and then they come up with laws such as blasphemy laws and right. more regulations to stop the public right. but on the other hand like if we think um, from a human rights view.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, criticism to government, army or religion to to a certain extent should be allowed in societies because that's how societies progress and they progress, evolve. Right, right. If we, like, yeah, I mean, if we completely um, prohibit these discussions, then the society will stop evolving. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: And to achieve this uh, legally, it's pretty difficult because there is so much subjectivity to it, right? Um, If it's a blatant uh, argument uh, without any basis, you can easily call it out. Uh, But Hmm. if there is even a shred of truth, okay? So there might be 99 elements which is is fake, but there might be one element that might be true. And I can um, whip out an article, which would Hmm. uh, um, lean towards certain angle and completely change the dynamics of the story uh change the dynamics of the narrative right so it's pretty difficult to achieve this um um, like yeah
0: it it is it is difficult but uh, then there there should be uh, there should be a well-defined criteria of what i mean you uh right now we see governments just you know as they they wake up and they make decisions very haphazardly without following any criteria. And mm-hmm. even if our laws, they give very wide discretionary powers to government.
1: Right.
0: Um, but the laws that are regulating content that are regulating mm-hmm. speech should mm-hmm. have cri- very well-defined criteria of what is, uh, what is mm-hmm. covered under the freedom of expression and what is not covered. Right.
1: Like um, the, the big boxing match that we have Happened between the Indian government and Twitter was around one law, wherein uh, the government wanted to know uh, where did suppose the root message. So, when I say root message, means that say you have a fake news or a misinformation sent out, which gets shared with multiple people, right? It's like a chain reaction that gets spread out. So, the government wanted to know who was the originator of that message or the fake news. They don't want to know who all shared it. They're okay with that part. But they want to know who actually uh, uh, had posted it for the first time. Hmm. And uh, in my opinion, that's very reasonable. So today, if I feel that something is misinformation, I need to know who started it. Uh, maybe there might be 10, or 100, of thousand people who are just amplifying it, but, but I would love to know who started the fire. Um, at least in my opinion, um, the government was right but Twitter was blatantly um, against this. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually said uh, in polite ways uh, that they are not going to do it uh, for whatever reason. So what is your position on this?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so like legally speaking, there are, um, there are different grounds on the on the basis of which some information can be taken out by government, like data can be collected. Uh-huh. And government can always use this ground uh, um, of its vital interests, that it is very important for us to know. We uh-huh. want to know for, uh, for the state um, to reach to the solution of the problem. And right. because it's very important to them, it's very, very important. It, it is one of the vital interests of the government. Uh-huh. So they can say that, OK, yeah, we, we have the power to collect the data and go to the original source. Mm-hmm. um but and technically and legally when government is asking a corporation to do something mm-hmm. uh, the corporation is um, required to do that uh, from a very um, technical standpoint but then we also need to think that even businesses they they are they're purely governed by um, monetary concerns So why do they have to follow government instructions? Why do they have to follow laws? What what incentivizes businesses to comply with laws or to follow instructions of governments? And I think there there, there are two incentives for a business. One, to avoid any penalties and fines, to avoid going to courts. And second, which is now very relevant in today's age, is consumer pressure. And public shaming for non-compliance with laws, mm-hmm. but um, here um, with with the in the example of um, the Twitter's case with the Indian government, mm-hmm. um, I don't think there is much uh, public pressure for uh, Twitter as much as it is for the Indian government, because
1: Absolutely. yeah, uh, you're,
0: you're right. There's, there's a... uh, yeah. If there was mm-hmm. enough public pressure, then Twitter mm-hmm. would have, you know, responded to government's requirements and demands.
1: Yeah, because the the, the Twitter the world was split into half. Like you had half them half of them were supporting the government because uh, mm. it looked like, it, how can a multinational challenge a sovereign government? And uh, mm. the other side was arguing that hey, um, freedom of expression had to be protected, and Twitter is doing that, so don't touch for Twitter. So they didn't. Yeah um Twitter uh, space was divided into, uh, into two parts and uh, and Twitter was able to play this out for a few months um mm. now um, that leads to my follow-up question now uh, now considering the dynamics that we have um, it's gonna be gonna use more and more of internet and other uh, communication device to communicate and talk to either, each other mm-hmm. uh, across geographical borders now who should be the protector of freedom of expression. Now, there are people in India who believe uh, the company should be the protector of freedom of expressions. Uh, they should be, because they, you can trust the, the, the multinationals more than the, the governments. And there are people mm-hmm. who think that the government should be protector of freedom of expression. Hmm. Um, so what, where do you stand? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's a very interesting question. So I think both can be corrupt and currently neither is the protect protector of the freedom of expression right. but um if, if we imagine an ideal world and if i have to choose um companies versus government i would say it should be the government because um technically so, uh, social media companies um, are, are just like other corporate actors they have to follow national laws of a particular jurisdiction so ultimately right. the power is with the government government right. can come up with laws yeah. government can require corporate actors to take certain actions such as mm-hmm. government can require corporations to protect human rights and avoid human rights violations it's the state's duty in the first place to protect human rights right. including the right to freedom of expression and the right to data privacy right. um i mean it the duty is of the state. If if I have to, um, it's a state duty to protect freedom of expression and it's the state's duty to go to Twitter or any other corporate body and ask them to protect freedom of expression of their people.
1: Right.
0: So and maybe I'm thinking from a very uh, legal uh, standpoint,
1: mm-hmm. but I,
0: I would say um, in that sense, it would be the government.
1: Now I wish I, if I had... Um... Somebody from the technical side of the world. It could be fun to (laughs) investigate. Because legally, I agree agree with you. I completely agree with you that there are people whom I've met who would trust Twitter and Facebook more than their own governments. Okay, so.
0: And understand the sentiments. Even I can totally relate. I mean, we don't trust our governments. It's very understandable and very relatable for a person coming from a developing country like Pakistan but 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 can we trust social media companies uh can we trust Facebook I I cannot trust because I know Facebook or any other social media company is also ruled and governed by some other government sitting at some other place and they are using algorithms um they are using artificial intelligence to target social media users they are providing only one side of the story to us, we see one kind of advertisements, one kind of uh, uh, news, and Mm -hmm. uh, the stories from stories from Asia, or maybe from developing countries, or from um, from abuses that the, you know, the global north is uh, involved in those stories are not very frequently shared in social media, Mm -hmm. They, they get Uh, those stories and those that kind of content gets filtered Mm -hmm. and the world only knows one side of the story and not the other side so such a situation uh even in the just one example and not not going very political but even in the case Mm -hmm. of the israel and palestine situation Mm -hmm. uh can you really trust social media companies and corporate actors you you cannot trust because even corporate actors have their in, interests so yeah. um so today now the government you have for five years you, sure you cannot trust it because it's corrupt but at least you have a hope that after five years you will get a chance to vote for another government and then maybe you know the next government uh can can do something to cater your interest and rights right so,
1: at, at least theoretically, you have some control on your governments, but not on the yeah, private companies. Yes.
0: Theoretically, theoretically yes.
1: Yeah, Because yeah. I have an, I have had arguments with my friends about it. Um, long uh, hours, spent on phones, arguing about it, and we we have a divergent thought. <laughs> it is fun talking to you about it. Um, now one question like, and Do you think now we are evolving now? We are evolving the South Indian, many Southeast Asian countries, like let's talk about India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, at least I believe from an Indian perspective, we don't have a culture of privacy. We don't have a privacy culture, right? So, uh, uh, the neighbors know of everything about you, uh, your aunt would know everything about you. Uh, but there's no culture of privacy. At least I can talk from an Indian context. I, I'm sure Pakistan is very similar to that. Um, how much mm. time do you think it would take us to evolve to the level of uh, privacy that is um, uh, that, privacy that is, that is in, in Europe, the mature privacy maturity mm. maturity privacy mm. laws that we have in Europe. Uh, even at the, at the, at the uh, uh, lower level, the citizens are very aware mm. of what's private, what is not private. Mm they would not take the pictures just like that, right? Like they will respect yeah. your, your private space. But in, in, in India, in yeah. Pakistan, we, have, we don't even mm. have this basic culture, right? How much <laughs> time
0: do you think yeah. it would take us to evolve? Or should be even? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I privacy is perhaps still a nascent and a new concept in South Asia. And uh, one of the major reasons is, is perhaps our culture. Yeah. Right and, and the fact that we, we mostly have uh, joint family systems, in contrast to nuclear family systems, and the kind of relationship we have with our parents, parents have with their children, and generally between and among family members is, is, is not um, um, you know, the same as we, we see in, in West. Right. So um, but, but having said that, I, I think things are changing. And we have seen things getting changed in recent years, uh, thanks to digitalization. Mm-hmm. Now um, we see that technology and digitalization are at a very rapid pace. Mm-hmm. So now gradually uh, uh, privacy is becoming important to people. And I think today um, people are equating, uh, It's this is my opinion and my um, observation that most people in Pakistan uh, equate privacy with safety, with Mm -hmm. um, protection from uh, harassment, with Mm -hmm. security and safety of their homes. Mm -hmm. It's even in an online world, like people are Mm -hmm. concerned about uh, safety of their data, of uh, security of their pictures and videos and protection against online harassment. They're equating privacy with safety. But uh, because, social media platforms are widely used in Pakistan and the technological growth is taking place at a very rapid pace that um, things are beginning to change and um, because you know all around the world the global privacy laws are emerging and they're um, at an increasing number and even in Pakistan we have a bill and once this bill will pass it will of course attract more consumer awareness Mm -hmm. so might not take that much of a long time as we are thinking it would. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I cannot quantify a number in like I don't I don't know how many years because, uh, but maybe the consumer awareness on privacy it may run parallel to the the technological growth, uh, and digitalization taking place in our countries in in South Asia. Right. Um. Right. Yeah, and because even now um, with the growth of uh, uh, technology and because people are so frequently using social media platforms, they, they want to know. They're still uh, gradually becoming conscious mm-hmm. on what happens to their data. Uh, like, uh, I mean, for example, we see advertisements as a result of uh, third party cookies. Right. So it's now people are questioning on how, uh, you know, they, they search something on Google and then all of a sudden that advertisement comes up on Facebook. And so I mean, they are I mean, becoming curious, they're becoming curious and things are changing. At this point, of course, there is, there is a dearth of awareness and there is a lack of consumer education and a lack of laws, but things are, I would say at the right direction.
1: Now, um, you mentioned about the Pakistani privacy law um, is
0: it w- what mm. stage it is right now? Is it a bill or is it or it's still yeah, it's a bill? Yeah, it's a
1: bill.
0: It's, it, is, um, it is still a bill. Uh, and uh, now I think the, uh, the stage is that they're working on some amendments to the bill. There is one draft uh, version that is available for, for the public, but uh, the, the IT Ministry of Pakistan is working on amendments um so let's see when they are going to pass this bill
1: in fact like i was um very much uh keen for indian law uh indian uh protection laws mm. to be passed uh, the tentative mm-hmm. timelines were 2019 that they were passed in 2019 Draft version came in 2018 okay so was very hopeful mm-hmm. that things would fall in place um but some vested interests interests have actually being successful and
0: holding it for the last three years, I think it's not a lot of mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. On the one hand, we have this um, international um, uh, pressure where we have to maintain our international reputation that see Pakistan is in compliance with all global and international laws. We have we're we have we're signatories to international human rights treaties and. So, because now the globally other mm-hmm. countries are coming up with data privacy laws, so
1: mm-hmm. there
0: is this pressure that Pakistan also has to come up with a data privacy law very soon.
1: Right.
0: But on the other hand, on the other hand, we have this entire uh, political scenario where I think um, um, we're still thinking to um, cater to government. We don't want to come up with law that will curtail the powers, the data accessing and the data collecting powers of governments, right. uh, because of the entire the concept of, uh, you know, we the law enforcement agencies, they have quite wide surveillance powers within our laws. Right. And, and we are still in a mind frame that we that the you know, they should have powers to curtail personal data from people. And also, that we're still thinking from a very industry perspective, we're still thinking to cater to businesses. Right. And take, you know considering data privacy as a consumer oriented approach as a consumer right, as right. compared to a human right. Uh, uh, so it's a difference because of the approaches, the, the approach is different. Like the government is still treating it as a consumer right. Um, and it's not uh, considering that it's an important human right issue. Right. And that is why there, there has been a delay in passing of the law. Correct. This is just my or like right. my personal understanding and opinion, no connections with the government. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> because even I mean, if it's in the Indian context, okay, it is very clear, very obvious rather. Uh it's because the vested interest of uh, big industries uh, and corporations yeah. that, that's been delayed. Yeah. Um, we had uh, um, quite a few investments done in certain companies um, last year and mm-hmm. that kind of had an indirect uh, um, pressure on the law uh, on the committee uh, to dilute certain certain uh, articles and dilute certain finds mm-hmm. uh, and a few other things so um, yeah we hope, we're hope hopeful I think it's come through but uh, same as in Pakistan and India, there's a lot of uh, background forces yeah. working on it, working, working. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. because uh, th- this is this is the problem, right? Because the government is completely taking a different approach. If they, uh, they, they are still claiming that the law needs to be industry friendly, business friendly, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like you have to maintain a balance, but then look at GDPR. Or other um, examples of privacy laws we have, mm-hmm. they they take a very human rights centric approach. They they want to give control of data to individuals, to people, to citizens. Right. So right, uh, and they're not going into the details of um, you know how companies will uh, technologically comply with the data privacy law because technologies keep evolving. They're leaving right. the technological aspect. Uh, for the companies to decide later. They right. are just saying you have to protect privacy and you have to do this. You have to uh, ensure yes. data minimization. You have to ensure transparency. How technically you're going to do this, we so, can decide yeah. it later. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's the headache of the, the companies to figure it out, not
0: only government. Yes, yes. And I think the you know South Asian governments, they should also start taking the similar approach.
1: Yeah. But, but I think we are going the other way around. Right, We are focusing more on the companies uh, rather yeah. than consumers, yeah. That's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All um, right, before we close, I just to ask you a few questions now. Um, what is the one book that, that you would recommend? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, for, for the data privacy? Um, no, no generally, just like...
1: g- generally. Generally, generally. Generally say so you, so you, you want to get stuck in an island and you're
0: have to get one hmm. book with you which book would that be <laughs> can i say the same book that i I'm, I'm reading and because i'm finding it very interesting in the sea and and oh. uh, yeah it's uh it's interesting because uh, uh, because it's it's a story of a person from some from middle age who is very confused and uh, who is not sure of certain decisions uh, in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's confused about his relationship with family members and his career choices. And then he talks through himself in his in this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thought process that the author has shown is quite interesting because it tells us how we uh, we we also take things in our life and how we think uh, about. Very small things in our life. There is a complete thought process in in our mind that is right. taking place. So, um, like for someone who likes maybe who likes traveling to places around, and um, they might find this book very interesting. Right. It's in Indian uh, Benjamin Kunkel. Okay. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. And uh, which website you would recommend? Say somebody have to uh, keep themselves updated. Um, which website or which portal you would
0: recommend? uh, Say somebody who wants to learn about privacy and security uh, and keep them updated, which portal or website you would would, uh, recommend? Yeah. So why don't that person should start with security? (laughs) Maybe I can do a little publicity for my own company and uh, you can maybe start reading our blogs and the content that we have up there. But um, like generally, personally speaking, I um, look up to guidances from IAPP and data guidance um, mm-hmm. and uh, data guidance is one of our competitors, but they, um, they do produce really good content and they re- really do come up with a very good legal analysis and they try to simplify things for, for normal public to understand. And uh, even mm-hmm. we also try the same. Like um, if, if if you want to start um, uh, reading about data privacy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you you can start with the, our securities website or data guidance, and you can start with topics such as like, what is consent? What is, uh, why mm-hmm. consent is needed? What are opt-in and opt-out um, uh, countries? Mm-hmm. And uh, once you will start reading articles, you will find that those are written very in a simplistic Simple language mm-hmm. so that non-lawyers and non-tech mm-hmm. people can also understand. Okay.
1: okay And um one more question: um, If you have to hire somebody, say today you, you're interviewing somebody, you want to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. What's the one mm-hmm. skill that you will that you you look for? Uh,
0: what What are the qualities that I'm looking for no. when I have to hire somebody?
1: What is the one skill that you are you will, place higher weightage
0: hmm on. um so one skill um so i would say um you know can we say can i say that somebody who takes uh, who is who takes his or her job seriously and is very committed that means uh, that person does not slack off and submits work on time Mm-hmm. Uh, because these things matter to me, um, I, I am of the view that you know you, you, you don't have to be very sharp or intelligent. You can mm-hmm. learn during your process. Once you, okay. once you, you start working on a particular project project, you can mm-hmm. start learning about it and uh, you can develop your intelligence by the, uh, as time evolves. Mm-hmm. But you need to have dedication, you need to have commitment to learn. And uh, you need to um, get rid of your arrogant attitude, right. and uh, you you have to be humble. You have to be very dedicated and uh, commit, committed. You cannot slack off. You cannot, um, you know, um, submit some work and take uh, do, uh, someone else's work and uh, do not give credit to them. You you don't you cannot do that. So, to somebody,
1: somebody who ha- somebody have to be diligent and humble. that's that's
0: yes 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 Yes. especially uh being humble i really uh, admire this quality because i've seen that people are so intelligent they're so full of knowledge and so full of expertise Mm -hmm. but somehow um arrogance ruins you know things so Mm -hmm. so you need you need to of course you have to be confident like being confident Mm -hmm. is one thing but you need to be humble
1: Humble as well, I got it. Like, uh, um, yeah. Which personality, maybe um, from past or present, or maybe they're really alive or dead, uh, you would like to have dinner with and explore their mind of the way you think? Which personality? Um, maybe they're alive or
0: personality. dead? Yeah. yeah. The personality I'm really a uh, fan of or I admire. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's
1: that be? Who would that be? Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm i need to think about this
1: that's
0: fine i i think i would say the you know um people working um, uh, in my company i really admire what they are doing especially like um the ceo of security rehan uh, jaleel uh, i i really admire what he is working and i have seen his career going forward and
1: uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, from
0: where he started and now uh, to the position that uh, he mm-hmm. is the CEO of security mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so in in that sense and I, I take much um, inspiration from uh, even other senior management people from my mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. and I try to uh, follow their work attitude mm-hmm.
1: So, mm-hmm. and the last question Say, if, if I give you a time machine and you can go back in time in 2015, what advice mm-hmm. would you give yourself? What advice would you give yourself?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I would say that uh, I would uh, give advice to myself that, you know, be patient. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to, to hurry up for things. Things will happen at their own pace. So if you're not um, getting your desire at a particular stage of your life, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And you need to accept your uh, losses and failures uh, patiently and with a very wide heart. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so if I go back to uh, times, I I would say, yeah, be patient to yourself, give yourself time and just accept that Things will take time, it, uh, it, you know, it, it's not important that something is, um, you, you will get, you will achieve something all of a sudden, it's gonna take time. And also like you need to stop comparing yourself from others, everyone has their own timelines. So um, someone will achieve one thing in, at, at, uh, at one time of their life, but you, you might achieve the same thing, but at a later stage. So you don't you don't have to compare yourself with their timeline. All right,
1: All right. Uh, Maria, it was fun talking to you. Quite experience. <laughs> oh. It was
0: it was very interesting. It was very um, interesting conversation. All right,
1: thanks, Maria. That's okay.